again, just as we said before in regards to living, God desires for us to have supernatural living, but he also has supernatural relationships for us to experience. And what that means is, is not just mere normal, natural relationships, but relationships that will take you up to the next level. Relationships that will stir your faith. Relationships that will help get you over the hump. How many of you know that there are times when you need to get over the hump, right? And you just need people that will speak into your life, right? Well, we've got some ministers in our life that we just uh, esteem extremely uh, high and we just, we, we purpose to uh, give place to them in our lives to speak into our lives. And so as we're sitting here, my wife, she just says, hey, you know, listen, so-and-so just sent me a text this morning, just said, be blessed and gave her a scripture. And that means the world, that people are loving on you, that people will connect with you, that people care enough to think about you. And I want you to know we as a church, we're praying for you, we're believing God for you, and we're just believing that our relationships that God has put together are going to continue to make a difference and change the landscape in our area. Amen? Amen. It's not by chance that you're a part of this group. It's not by chance that you find yourself this morning. And so I just want you to know we consider you family. We just love you and we so appreciate you. Amen. Well, if you notice up there on the screen, the the message that we uh, are going to be sharing this morning is one that is called refresh. Anybody familiar with that little symbol thing that's spinning around there? Oh, man, doesn't it just annoy you? I mean, looking at it, it just kind of makes your hair stand up, doesn't it? You know, most of us live in a culture that we are familiar with smart devices. Uh, In fact, if I was to ask you all the question, who in here doesn't have a cell phone, probably nobody would raise their hand if maybe the exception to one. And for that matter, most of us would have smartphones or smart devices or maybe you have an iPad or something of that nature. Even our TVs nowadays are smart televisions. Anybody got a smart television? You know, I've got one of those TVs that connects up to the Wi-Fi, connects up to the, the, the Internet. I mean, I can watch YouTube. I can watch uh, uh, Amazon. I can watch uh, uh, Netflix, whatever. It just connects to the world, right? And that's the world that we're living in. But if you've ever been on one of your devices, there are those times that when you're trying to use it, especially in the time that you need it the most, you find that you see that little symbol spinning around, swirling around. It's like, yeah, right? What's that mean? It means that it's busy. It means that it's not connected. It means that it's, it's needing to do something, but it's not knowing what to do or how to do it, or it's just not working efficiently the way that it's supposed to, right? Have we all been there? Yeah experience that well you know when it comes to you know like i said smart tv my my wife and i we we have netflix and so i mean it's kind of cool you can just sit there in your own home and just have a monthly subscription and watch all the movies you want to and again i've talked to some of you i know some of you have binge watched those programs you know just kind of sucks the life out of you for a weekend or something you know we've all been there but you know it seems like when you're watching those programs at our house it never fails it's right at the climax of the movie where it's building up and it's about ready to tell you the the juicy facts or it's about ready to something is going to happen and then all of a sudden here goes that little thing spinning it's like are you kidding me every time in the moment it does that and so what do we got to do 
because of where we're at, we're kind of out in the country, so I think it's because we got maybe slower internet. But what we end up doing is we unplug it, we turn it off, we disconnect. And as a result of disconnecting, once we restart it, refresh it, reboot it, all of a sudden everything connects as it ought to and it starts playing again the way that it was meant to, right? My mom, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to finally see that mom and dad are coming into the, the current era they got an ipad they've had it for a while i think they didn't know how to turn it on for like the first two years but nevertheless they had an ipad but they they got an ipad and they're learning how to navigate through it and find things and then you know research stuff and it's it's cool to see them but i've heard my mom say this to me she said it you know it just don't seem like it's working as well as it used to it just seems like it it, it's not doing what we want it to or i can't get where i want to go at different times and so it was a couple weeks ago i was over at my parents house and when i was there i happened to be looking at their ipad about something or showing dad something i don't remember but i happened to do a double click and when i did a double click it revealed all the applications that were open in the background do you know what i mean and again, if, you're, if you've got a smartphone or an iPad, you know what I mean. What that means is, is that mom, when she would go to Pinterest or go to get a recipe or go to the emails or whatever it was that she was doing, rather than closing it, all she would do was swipe it to the side or hit the button and it would disappear. And she would be back to her homepage thinking, okay, everything's cool. But little did she know that there was all these open applications that were working in the background. And so I went through about 30 or more just turning them off. So in other words, there's all this noise going on in the background and you're not even aware of it. And all this stuff that's going on in the background is causing my life or the efficiency of this device that I want to to use to not work properly. And I'm getting that little (laughs) booting up, rendering. We'll be with you shortly, (laughs) right? And what happens? You turn it off. You refresh it. You reboot it. And what happens? Everything goes back to its rightful place. Getting getting things in line, getting things in order, getting in place so that the device works properly. Well, that's what oftentimes happens in our lives. When we come out of the summer, we've talked about this before, you know, we we go through uh, the summer months and we, we... come back into church once school starts everybody's life gets kind of back on point and on course and we've got all this summer sludge that has got us bogged down weighted down because I've been doing this and I've been doing that I've been running here and I've been running there and I've got all this noise going on in my life and when I come to church after all the hustle and bustle of the summer I'm like oh I just I'm tired I'm whooped And we just need to unplug. We just need to reboot. We need to refresh. We just need to to slow down and get to a place where everything can get back to where it ought to be, right? Are you tracking with me? In fact, for that matter, when when we think about just life as a whole, what we end up doing is we purpose, especially when it comes to summer, we make room for so many different things because we have such a short window of time, right? The kids are only out of school for a short period of time. So I go to my calendar and I 
pencil in vacation. I pencil in the baseball games. I pencil in the family reunions. And I pencil in this and I pencil in that. All the while, I still got to go to work. Still got to cut the grass. Still got to do the laundry. Still got to clean the house, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we pencil in all these things. And as a result, all this busyness and noise is continuing to build up and causing us to become sluggish. And that's not to make us feel guilty. That's just life. And you realize that God's grace and His mercy is to say, I'm not about being condemning, saying you ought to, you should have, you could have. He's saying, I just want you to get in a position where you can unplug, where you can reboot, where you can refresh and allow everything to get situated in its place so that you can function, not going through life sluggish, but having the ability to move and do what I've called you to do. To be a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. To be the best worker. To be the best servant at church. Simply because I have purpose to refresh and get everything where it ought to be. And so, as a church, one of the things that we have purpose to do is to establish what we call our 21 days of prayer and fasting. That begins on September 10th. Now you say, I've never heard of that before. Well, if you've not been around long enough, we we have done that systematically over the years to just give us that ability to reboot, to refresh, to unplug and reconnect. And that's what these 21 days of prayer and fasting allows us to do. You see, over the last several months, we have been penciling in on the calendar vacation. Penciling in the baseball games, penciling in the reunions. And this is what we said this year looks like for GBC, is that we are going to make room for God. And so, with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, it lets us put on the calendar and circle it, highlight it, make room for it to say, right now, beginning on September 10th, I am being intentional at making room for God. What's that do? It lets everything start to clear up. It allows us to get all the junk out of the way. It allows us to begin to refocus, to refresh, and function the way that God desires for us to experience. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Now, what is it for? Why? Why do we do it? What is it? We say 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you say, why 21 days? Well, 21 days always, from a psychological standpoint, gives us the ability. They say if you do anything for 21 days, you'll start or establish a new habit. How many of you got some habits that you think, man, I just wish I didn't have that habit, right? We all do. I mean, my wife, she yells at me all the time. She's got to stop that. (laughs) No, no, she don't. (laughs) She's got... No, she's got all good habits. They're, they're, they're she's such a, she, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll get off that real quick. So anyways, we've all got habits and things that we're like wanting to get adjusted in our lives. So 21 days allows us to reset the clock to establish some new habits. Now, we call it prayer and fasting simply because, number one, in those 21 days, we're saying we are going to set time aside to spend time with God, to spend time reading my Bible, spend time in prayer, spend time actually journaling what 
God's word starts to speak to my heart about because that's really God talking to you. Or in those times of prayer, what is God speaking to you about? You could begin to write it down and say, I know that I know that that God talked to me right then. And it will give you direction for the upcoming days, right? It allows us to spend time with God. And the fasting side of it is significant because it allows us to deal with the flesh. Now, why is that significant? Because you realize your flesh is the thing that keeps you away from God. You see, you've got a spirit, and the spirit wants to spend time with God, wants to praise God, wants to go to church, wants to pray, wants to read its Bible, but your flesh wants to do everything but that. Right? Your flesh wants to sit and just spend hours on Facebook on your phone. Oh, that was a good time for you to be quiet so you didn't tell off on yourself. I know, we're all there, right? I'm on my mobile device, right? Or, or my flesh says, I just want to binge watch TV. Or my flesh, my wife, she came home the other day and I've been trying to eat healthier. She comes home with a mini cheesecake and a mini chocolate cake. And I'm looking at it, I was like, I told you, quit it. And so my kids got a little piece of whatever they wanted, and I grabbed it and I threw it away. I got rid of it. I don't know if she knows yet. She may have dug it out of the trash, I don't know. But my point is, like, I'm getting rid of this thing because my flesh wants to eat all the junk food. I mean, I got a sweet tooth, right? Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? The flesh man wants what it wants, will pull you away from God. And so the fasting side is to quiet the flesh man, to tell the flesh to be quiet. And in addition to spending time having fellowship with God. So what does that fasting look like? Maybe it's a matter of I'm going to fast a meal. Well, why would I fast a meal? Because my flesh likes to eat. Maybe that looks like, well, I go to work, and instead of eating my lunch at work, I'm not going to eat my lunch. I'm going to go read my Bible. I'm going to pray. Or at nighttime, maybe you fast a meal at nighttime, and rather than eating, you go spend time reading your Bible and and praying. You may say, well, i got to quit eating? Well, I'm just saying, maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's your lunch. And the point is, is that when you eat, how many of you spend all day eating? I mean, what, 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes at the most that you spend eating? And I'm saying, take that time to say, flesh, you're not going to have what you want right now. But right now, I'm going to go spend time with my spirit or my heart with God. What that does is it quiets the flesh. You may say, well, what if I give up potato chips? Well, that's not the same. I realize, you know, some have looked at it that way from the standpoint of, well, I used to do what they call lint, you know, I would give up fish or something of that nature. Well, if you're still feeding your flesh, but you're just eating something different, you're not really fasting. You're just not eating something of what you maybe prefer, but you're still eating. It's talking about sacrificing the time and making room for God. Does that make sense? You might say, well, I need to eat. I can't not go without eating. All right, what if you was to say for the next 21 days, put your mobile device down other than just using it as a phone and say, I'm going to stay off Facebook, I'm going to stay off Twitter, off Instagram, off everything social for the next 21 days. 
You say, oh, no big deal. Listen, you know for a fact on day one that you said, okay, no more Facebook. You'd be screaming. Your flesh would be saying, I wonder what's going on. I just want to see you. I just want to check, right? See, your, your flesh has a voice. Now, if you're like me, I love watching TV. I love watching, well, just anything that's entertaining. For me, because of the way my brain works, it lets me shut my brain off. It lets me just get involved in a movie, and I forget about all the cares and the worries and the woes and what's going on, and I just, you know, and then that's when the wife comes in and starts talking to you. It's like, can you move out of the way, please? We can talk later. Right now, I'm watching TV. I can tell you, me personally, if I said, and I'm purposing to do this, I'm cutting out TV for 21 days. Do you know what I'm going to be doing on the very first day? Uh, What do I do with my time? (laughs) What am I going to do with all this time? And I usually watch TV and eat my ice cream at night. I mean, I watch TV at night, right? (laughs) Great time to say, flesh, you're not going to watch TV. You're going to get your Bible and you're going to read for the next 15, 20 minutes. Come on, are you here this morning? See, we're talking about making room for God. If you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Uh, You may or may not see us on the screen, but I don't want to bring some things to your attention here. In Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 1, this is a, a great picture and a type and shadow of the battle and the war between your flesh and your spirit. Because your heart, your spirit, wants to generally spend time with God. But your flesh will always war against it and will want to do what it wants to do. And it will always be gravitated towards something that is not beneficial to you. How many of you have ever gotten a spat with your spouse and the first thing that you think of is, well, praise the Lord, that's just walk in love right now. (laughs) That's not necessarily the first response, is it? You want to say something, you want to respond in the flesh, and sometimes you might do everything within your power to bite your tongue, right? Why? Because your flesh wants to go there. But God says, why don't you walk in love? Well, see, sometimes it's real hard to be quiet, isn't it? And all the men said, amen. That's right, we we know. All right. All right, Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot was with him. They went to the south. In verse 2, it says, Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Everybody say beginning. Beginning. He he went to the place where he set up his tent at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Verse 4 says, To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham senses something stirring on the inside of him. He's got Lot, his nephew, with him in their family. And he's saying, I've got something pulling on the inside of me to get back to that place of beginnings where I was walking with God. Come on, any of you remember those first days where God just seemed so real and you're like, God, I just love you. I want to be with you. In fact, you start reading your Bible and you pray and you're like, this is awesome. You go to church and every time you go to church, tears stream down your face. It's like, God, you're so real. Right? He says, 
something's pulling on my heart to go back to the place of the beginning, to that place where I first made that altar and says, God, I give you my life. But when he got there, he called on the Lord, and the Lord didn't respond. Abraham began to sense that something just wasn't right. When we look at this story, Abraham represents the spirit side of man. But his nephew, Lot, is representative of the flesh side of man. And the Bible says that Abraham said, we've got to part ways. We can't hang out together no more. You're just influencing my life to a point where I, I, I don't want you around no more. He said, listen, I don't want this to be a place of where we get divided or where it causes friction between the two of us. But look around and whatever land you choose, that's yours. And you go and you have it and be blessed. Be fruitful and multiply. And the Bible says that Lot looked around and saw the place afar off called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot says... I'll take that one. And Lot went to the place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Now let's pick up in chapter or chapter 13, verse 11. It says, Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. <clears throat> and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the city in the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Verse 13 says, But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give you and your descendants forever. Did you notice that Abraham had a pull? There was something pulling on the inside of him that says, go back to that relationship with God where you said, I build an altar and I give you me, God. But God said it wasn't until you separated yourself from Lot, which represents the flesh or the pull of your natural man, until you made that separation, it wasn't until then that God began to speak. And it wasn't until then that Abraham began to hear. Amen? What was it that caused Lot's wife to lose her life when God went to rescue Lot and his family? She looked back. See, the flesh always keeps pulling you back, keeps pulling you back. You always look back. There's always something that you're wanting back there because the flesh says, I want what I want. But God says, I want you to come up higher and experience all that I have for you. Paul said this. He says, I buffet my body and bring it to subjection. What does that mean? It means he roughed himself up, slapped him up, disciplined his body. You know, what do you do to your child when they act up? You swat them on the behind a little bit. Say, hey, listen, straighten up. That's what Paul said. When my flesh starts acting up, I got to get a hold of myself. Straighten up, flesh, because we're purposing to pursue God. Amen? And so, therefore, God's saying, I desire for you to come up higher. I desire to know you. I desire to have a relationship with you that you begin to experience the goodness of God. And God's saying, will you just make room for me? 
Will you take this time and actually begin to make room for me? Don't try to overshoot yourself. Just begin to make room. And purpose to fast something that makes your flesh be quiet. Amen? Anybody know what I'm saying? Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43 from the Message Bible in verses 18 and 19. It says this. This is what God says. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? God says, don't keep looking back. Be present. Be in the moment. Don't go over old history. Once again, the greatest tactic of the enemy that keeps people away from God is he brings the the tapes and plays rewind and says, remember this? What's it cause you to do? Oh, messed up. But you see, God doesn't remember when we repent to him. It's only the enemy that's good at bringing up the past. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. It's bursting out. Can't you see it? See, he said, I'm expecting you to see by faith. I'm expecting you to see what I see. But the only way that you can see what I see is get yourself into a position where you don't see through the flesh or the eyes of the flesh. Does that make sense? When we spend time with God... It will cause me to see differently. I've got to wind this up in the next 10 minutes, so just bear with me. So I'm going to talk fast and listen quicker, okay? (laughs) When I spend time with God, it will cause me to see differently. I want you to ask yourself the question or ask, what am I seeing on the inside of me? What do I see about me? Does anybody have that negative self-talk that beats yourself up all the time and just makes you feel like a, like, like a, a, a crumb? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Man, I just messed up. God, where would I be? God, I just blew it. Man, I should be here. I mean, we have this negative self-talk all the time and we put ourselves down. But when we begin to spend time with God, we begin to see differently. We begin to see what God sees. When I begin to spend time with God, I begin to see things that others don't see. Come on, remember Paul? Paul killed Christians. And then he got saved and started preaching Jesus. And then when he started preaching Jesus, you know what everybody saw? This is Saul, the one that killed Christians. And he says, no, don't remind me of my past because that's not who I am anymore. See, people will remember and try to remind you of what you were and what you did and what you used to be. But when you spend time with God, you will be able to see things that others can't see about you. And you'll begin to see things that will take more effort than just just yourself. Is your vision about your life, your family, your marriage, your kids bigger than what it is right now? Because you see, we can have success in life, but success is only as far as an individual person. See, I can be successful by myself, but God hasn't called me to be successful. He's called me to be significant. 
And to be significant means that my life isn't just about me, but it's about other people. Come on, I want my kids to experience a life far better than my own. So I want to live it out in front of them. A man that knows God, a man that hears God, a man that spends time with God so they can look at dad and say, dad, you followed God faithfully. You trusted God and I trusted you because you trusted God and now you've taught me how to trust God for myself. Amen. God wants us to see life bigger than just ourselves. As I spend time with God, it will help me believe things that most people won't believe. I said, when I'm spending time with God, see, when I just live out of the mere natural man, it gets mucky and muddy, doesn't it? Have you ever felt like you're just in a rut and you can't get out of the rut and it just seems like year after year I'm in the rut and sometimes it feels like it's even deeper than it was before. But see, when I spend time with God, it will help me believe what others won't believe. When I've just doubted myself, I'll get to the place where I can believe God for bigger things. There was a man by the name of Bill Britton. He was the police commissioner of the NYPD while Giuliani was the mayor back in the 90s. When he got hired, he came into the department. He called 12 of his top captains over all the police department. And he says, my heart is in the next two or three years, he says, we are going to eradicate crime in New York City. And he says, now, out of the 12 commanding chief officers that I have in this room right now, how many of you believe that I can do it or that we can do it? Seven out of the 12 said, we don't believe we can. We've tried it before, and it's not worked, and we don't believe it can work. He said, well, thank you for your opinion. He said, upon that, you're all fired. He let seven out of 12 of his commanders go. He needed to replace seven ASAP. He was down to five, had 12, but he said, if you can't believe what I believe, I don't want you around. In 27 months, just over two years, they brought crime down 33%, murder down 50%, simply because he believed what others would not believe. What do you believe about you? What do you believe about your home? What do you believe about your marriage, your kids, your life? Do you believe what others have said to you? What mom and dad has said to you? What your boss said to you? Or do you believe what God says about you? But you won't believe what God says about you until you hang around him. Because in getting in his presence, he causes you to trust and believe him. Can you say amen? Amen. As I said before, we have this negative self-talk. And we've got to get rid of the belief systems that have held us back. What is it that's holding us back? Look to your neighbor and say, tell, in fact, in just the next 10 seconds, look at your neighbor and tell him how awesome you are. <laughs> so, some of you are saying, I ain't sitting next to nobody, so I can't tell nobody how awesome I am. I get, I get you. Now, we laugh at that, but isn't that kind of hard to tell somebody? <laughs> if it's if you're your spouse, I can tell them all day long I am awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. How easy is it for you to tell somebody how awesome you are? It's hard because 
we have talked so negatively about ourselves. Amen? When I spend time with God, it will cause me to do things that others won't. You see, I'm talking about a transformational life as a group of believers. See, you're a part of a church family that God wants to transform our lives. But we can't just be a church that lives life in the flesh all the time. God wants us to come into that relationship of knowing Him. And I guarantee you, once you give place to allow God to be in your life, you will find that it's contagious, that there's a hunger, there's a fire on the inside that desires to spend time with God. Now, the flesh will creep up and it will say, yeah, but you know you've got to do this. Well, you know you, you, you've got this obligation. You've got this thing that you want to do. There's always going to be the pull on the flesh. Until we go to heaven, you've got your flesh to contend with. But that's why we've got to tell it to shut up. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. God wants us to become significant. God needs us to come to that place where He can use us. But here's the thing. It's going to require community. Why do we do this as a church? Why do we do these 21 days of prayer and fasting? So that we do it together. You see, trying to do it by ourselves makes it extremely hard. And I can get lost in that. Do you realize that in church, this is just the national statistic, in church, 80% of the church is struggling with pornography. And you're thinking, not me. Okay. Then the person next to you is. And I don't say that to be critical, but here's my point. It destroys marriages. It destroys persons' lives and their emotions. And sometimes people are in such a dark hole with stuff in their life and they don't know how to get out of it because they're simply trying to do it by themselves. But when we come together and say, God, I'm going to pursue God and we're going to do it together and it allows us to be accountable. Come on, I've got men in my life that if I'm struggling, I can go talk to them. I've got men in my life that will say, Tony, you need to straighten yourself up. I need that. And I look for that. You know, it's not always easy, but when I purpose to spend time with God, God begins to help chip off the edges. Spending time with God, it begins to help me know my purpose. Why am I here? What's our reason to, to assemble together? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, I need you. Now, now look at him again and say it like you mean it this time. I need you. Come on, do you believe that? See, we need each other. That person that's sitting next to you across the aisle, you might say, I don't know him very well. You might say, I don't like him very well. You still need him, right? We need one another. When I spend time with God, I begin to find my purpose. And collectively as a group, we can begin to make a difference and live the life that God desires. There was a man that was named Paco down in Guatemala. And in the 1990s, he was the number one contract killer in Guatemala. If you want somebody gone, you called Paco. Paco. 
If you wanted a political official taken care of, you called Paco. There's some people that I'm still looking for a Paco to call. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but he was the guy. You called Paco if you wanted to erase somebody. Number one contract killer in Guatemala. They finally caught up with him and they prosecuted him. All that they could ever make stick on him was 17 murders. Later, he said they never found out about the other 74. But when he was in prison, he got material that caused him to say, God, I want to make room for you in my life. This makes sense. Once he met Jesus, made room for God in his life, he transformed the prison. The once number one contract killer now has become Pastor Paco. And he's leading church within the prison. In fact, back then, they were coming to church not because they wanted to go to church, but because they were afraid of Paco. But nevertheless, there were people that were coming to church. But then, after just a few years, because of good behavior and other circumstances, the Warren let him out of prison. And now, he is pastoring multiple churches across Guatemala because he found his purpose. Your purpose might be just merely raising your children to make sure they're the men, the women of God that God has called them to be and you're investing in them. Maybe in this season, your purpose is your marriage. Maybe this season is the purpose of getting out of debt, breaking the back of lack, whatever it might be. But finding your purpose, and you can't find your purpose without spending time with the one that gives purpose. I want to challenge you. In these days ahead, before September 10th, begin to prepare your heart. God, I want to know you. God, I can't wait till September 10th. You might say, I can't wait to not be doing that. I can't wait until it gets over. But if you'll simply say out of your mouth, God, I want to have a want to, God will accommodate you. If you say, God, I want to know you in those 21 days, God will accommodate you. You might say, I'm just saying it to say it. Well, if you say it in faith long enough, God will begin to arrest your heart and you'll find that there's a pull from the things of the flesh man to having a desire to know Him. Make room for God in this season. Let's refresh Let's not continue the rest of this year with the little swirl going on saying, waiting to connect, waiting to connect. Let's be intentional. Amen? Can we stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Once again, I just want to challenge you to get yourself prepared and ready for that season. Ask God, God, what do you want me to, to fast for those days? Is it media? Is it television? Is it a particular meal? Is it a particular habit where you're saying, I wanted to be free from that anyways, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat it this time because I've got the help and power of God working with me. Ask God what that looks like. Begin to prepare your heart. And you might say, well, how do I prepare? 
Find that place. What's that place that you're going to connect with God? Maybe it's your office. Maybe it's your closet. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's on the back patio. You're saying, God, this is going to be my meeting place. This is where we're going to meet. This is going to be our appointed time and our appointed place. Secondly, get a Bible. Get a Bible that you can read through. Now, some of you might say, well, I use my phone to do it. Well, let me just tell you, I've been there. Flipping through my phone, and before you know it, Facebook pops up, and I'm over on Facebook. I encourage you to get a paper Bible that you can write in, study from, chew on, and then get you a journal. And therefore, every time that God talks to you, when there's a scripture that just jumps off the page and grips your heart, write it down. Because it's God talking to you. Let's be intentional to make room for God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this place. God, we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. But God, we're going to purpose to make room for you. And we just take our authority right now as believers. Devil, we address you. And we say, you are not going to have place in our lives. Ministering angels, we ask your help to withstand. And we purpose to withstand him when he comes with temptations, with suggestions, with lies. For we're going to pursue God. And so, devil, you will not be successful. You will not get us astray. Because we're going to continue to follow God. And so... Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit that will help us in this time, drawing us closer as we make room for you in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life